Okay, we are recording. Hello, my messy friends. I was just telling our guest du jour that I'm literally sweaty. I'm like geeking out. I'm so excited that she's here. My guest today is someone I have dreamed of having on the podcast since its inception, honestly. And I was a little nervous to ask you because we've never met. We haven't even talked really except for like a few Instagram comments here and there. Um, But I love your content and energy and I just knew that I wanted to have you on. Not to mention your area of expertise is one of my all-time favorite topics of discussion. My guest is known as the Dope Doula on Instagram and as you can probably guess uses her platform to share all things birth I have always been fascinated by birth. I ask everyone for their birth stories, and I dream of giving birth myself one day. My guest is a prenatal and neonatal education and birth doula, as well as a reproductive justice advocate. She has this really warm, inviting energy that translates through the videos on her page. She makes the information she shares so accessible with comprehensive and thoughtfully curated content. Truly, your production value is top-notch, which makes sense since I saw that you've also worked as a communications strategist. Um, I am so excited to just dive in and ask you a million questions and learn from you. So my messy friends, please welcome to the show, Shakira Hill-Taylor. Hey, everybody. Kaylee, thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm so honored. Thank you. I... I just mean it with my whole body like I yeah I don't know I started following you and I just was like she just I love listening to her talk I love (laughs) learning about this stuff like if I could have her on as a guest that would be top notch so you're really making dreams come true today um I would love to go over our identifiers real quick and I also like to throw in um our astrological signs so if that's your thing, feel free. Yeah, um, let's go. <laughs> I am a white, Polish, German, cis, queer woman. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And my signs are Cap Sun, Sag Moon, and Virgo Rising. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I am a first-generation Black American by way of Jamaica and Cuba. Mm. I am a cisgendered heterosexual woman, and my pronouns are she, her, hers, and ella for my Mm. Spanish-speaking contingent. I love it. And I'm um, a Virgo. I don't know what my rising and natal charts and all that jazz, but I do know that I'm a Virgo. You are a Virgo? I am. <laughs> I've got a special place in my heart for Virgos. Oh, that just like makes a lot of sense to me. And um, I love that. Love that for you. Um, so Shakira, I always try to start. I like to start... Um, just by asking my guests, uh, how are you today? How are you feeling? You know, I'm I'm doing okay. It's been a heavy week, I'm sure. Kaylee, as you know, there's been a lot going on in our country mm-hmm. um, this week. Uh, at the start of the pandemic, everybody was like, oh, I can't wait till we get back to 
normal when things are back to normal. And as mm -hmm. we are starting to get back to quote unquote normal, um, we're reminded of what normal looked like, which is mass shootings and state sanctioned murder of yeah. black and brown people. And so it's been a heavy week in many ways, but I'm also really grateful and thankful for community and people like you who are allies and accomplices and yeah, the people in my birth work community who have been incredibly uplifting mm. um, during this time. How do you, um, I guess maybe specifically these people in your birth community, how do you find yourselves uplifting each other? What does that look like? You know, it's a reminder of why we do the work that we do mm -hmm. and People say that the choice to bring a child into this world is, is the greatest sign of hope or the greatest manifestation of, of your hope. And wow. knowing that we play a role in people expressing their greatest hope, which is creating a new generation of healers in this world is so powerful and so affirming. And you know, this is a cycle of life. Um, death precedes birth. And so as we mourn and grieve and stare in the face of death, we also hold in the balance the reality of rebirth and birth. And so just keeping that in mind, you know, pain is a pathway to, to beauty and new life. And so we just like to remind each other of that. And that keeps us motivated and going and, and hopeful. Wow. I'm just sitting here with my jaw dropped, shaking my head, like with tears in my eyes, truly like that. Yeah. So basically what you do is like the antithesis to this, this death and, and pain and ugly is like you guys, how did you put it? I can't wait to go through and listen to this again and just take the notes because <laughs> what you said we're 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 helping people realize this deepest manifestation of hope something like mm -hmm. that i mean that's just i mean not to mention yeah like it is it's a ugly scary world that we live in i myself as someone who has always wanted to give birth and have kids lately i'm kind of looking around like do i you know mm -hmm. um and it's kind of hard not to feel like yeah, this is just some of my mess, I guess. Um, I knew you would open me up, Shakira. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just like a lot of conflicting feelings about it these days. And for you to just put it in such a beautiful, um, positive light just now really meant a lot to me. Um, and I'm sure will, oops, sorry, well, technical thing, um, will resonate with a lot of people listening. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I mean, it's so important for us to cling to the hope that we have. And for everyone, that will look different. For some people, their hope will manifest in the birthing of new generations through their bodies and through their own family legacy. And for mm. some people, it will be working diligently like you and I are doing in this moment in healing our current generations and mm. doing what we can to ensure that the world that 
these new generations come into will be a, a, a healthy world, a whole world, a safe world. And so we have to hold on to our hope. We have to find our hope in these times because if not, then it's all for naught, you know? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, I am curious what, um, if we could just kind of like go back to the start of your origin story with all of this, what led to becoming a doula? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting story. So I actually still do work in communications. I um, mm-hmm. am an executive leader in incomes, and yes, you are. As I was, <laughs> as I was, look at me toot my own horn. As I, I love the sound, <laughs> doing more of my public health work and um, working with some clients on you know maternal mortality and looking through the data. I was like, oh wow, like yeah, I know what this is because not only do I have lived experience in encountering racism in the medical industry, mm-hmm. I've actually witnessed it firsthand. One of mm-hmm. my younger sisters had her first child and in the shortly after she gave birth, um, her maternal intuition kicked in immediately and she knew something was wrong with my niece. Uh, My niece was born with um, a nerve damage in her left eye. And so she wasn't able to open her eye. And my sister was trying to communicate that to the doctor and the doctor was so abrasive and dismissive and rude to a young woman who had just given birth. And had concerns about her baby. Exactly. And just seeing that degree of apathy from someone who is supposed to be responsible for Mm -hmm. ensuring, you know, the the Hippocratic oath, do no harm. And she was in in that moment causing harm with such recklessness. And Mm -hmm. I was incensed. Like I could literally feel the blood in my body boil. Mm. And I just remember like going home, writing letters to the hospital system. And I was like, there has to be something more that can be done. And um, I thought about going back to medical school and Mm. talk to my husband about it and started to look into um, birth work and learned that there was another way, there was a holistic path that wouldn't require going through, you know, the institutional practice of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. and then, you know, Mm -hmm. spending another 13 years in school, but that I could be trained, you know, and learn from evidence-based research and learn from midwives and other doulas um, is where I really started to go down this path of of birth work. And because I'm in this place of dual career, birth education, particularly focused on uh, prenatal and neonatal was really my sweet spot because it allowed me to still do the work that I do in my primary career Mm. while also creating really incredible content and being in service of, you know, the community of people and human beings who want to bring children into the world. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So you you saw a need in the birth. I'm not going to call it industry, I guess, but in birthing, you saw a need that needed to be um, addressed and you just you just got your hands in there. Absolutely. And unfortunately, Kaylee, it is an industry. America's right. Right. Hospital 
It like shouldn't uh, be, but it but it totally is. It totally is. It is Oof. commodified and privatized and made capitalistic. And so therefore it does unfortunately have to run as an industry. And that's why uh, people and for a myriad of other reasons aren't able to get the quality of care and attentiveness that they deserve when they choose mm-hmm. to bring children into the world. The mm-hmm. way that we treat birthing people in America is actually really shameful for one of the wealthiest nations in the world. Mm. This wasn't on the <laughs> this wasn't on the document I sent you of of questions and things, but I told you things might just pop up that I'm <laughs> I'm curious about. I kind of just want to ask straight up I uh, hospitals kind of creep me out. If in a perfect world, I won't give birth in one. Um, it always just seems terribly convenient to me when I hear birth stories. A, not all, but like a lot of birth stories in hospitals where mm-hmm. one thing happens and there's a pill for it, and one thing happens mm. and there's a, a an injection for that, and then mm. it just seems like you've gotten like a million procedures and the labor mm. has still taken two days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What uh, you're describing. Is, yes. What you're describing is the what we call the cascade of interventions. And in birth work, what we like to educate people on it, it, the ideal time to do that is before you're even so you're like having this conversation right now, knowing that you want to have children is incredible because then you will go in all the more informed but that cascading of interventions is every time you encounter the hospital system and then they're trying to remedy something that through just expected management of your birthing process Mm -hmm. could remedy itself assuming that you have a relatively safe and healthy pregnancy and Mm -hmm. laboring those interventions are not always necessary and one intervention often begets another intervention that thank you that's very validating that's kind of how i was how i was feeling about it and like of course like like you said like if you have a complicated pregnancy or you think something's wrong like of course i would go to the hospital then but like yeah just always what a lot of times when i hear those stories there's just so many interventions and i'm like or I could do it in a pool, no? <laughs> like, I could just, like, be hanging out in a pool. Um, so I mentioned, I, you know, read from your your Instagram that, that you are a reproductive justice advocate. Can you explain what that means to you to be that? Absolutely. So for me, being a reproductive justice advocate is just ensuring that no matter how someone identifies no matter where they are, racially, ethnically, socioeconomically, neurodiversely, like ableness, that they have access to the full suite of their reproductive options. And that's everything from choosing to decide that they don't want to reproduce 
or choosing to reproduce as someone who's a transgender woman or Mm non-binary or being a same-sex couple and choosing to bring a child into the world, whether that's through surrogacy or some some other form of um, support, that people have access and they know what their options are and that there is no... um, intervening of them accessing those options. And so that for me is what reproductive justice advocacy looks like, making sure that people, no matter where they are, can access their reproductive choices. I love this. And you do this through your platform. You do this by sharing this information that you've taken the time to study and learn and really get a grasp on. Um, Do you, so you said that, you do sort of the pre and the the after. Do you ever find yourself like there advocating in person uh, for people? Is that part of something you do? Like Absolutely. during the, yeah. Oh yeah, I um, recently did a, a labor <laughs> and birth and uh-huh. you know, the, the pregnant person's wishes were that she would labor at home primarily and in the weeks leading up to um, knowing that she was about to, you know, come to term and was due any day, she was having conversations with her um, midwife support staff and the nurses, and they were starting to share with her like, oh, you may need induction. And and for someone who's a first time birther, mm-hmm. and for someone who, ha- you know, they have their heart set on this birth experience and they've had a relatively pregnant healthy pregnancy you know those types of words can be very triggering and Mm so um when we knew that she was in labor you know i had a conversation with her her midwife team about you know language and the type of language that we use and preparedness Mm -hmm. and even reminding her because there's advocacy and there's also just being a resource we Mm -hmm. had spent months developing you know her and her partner's birth plan reminding her of what she put in her birth plan and reminding the midwife staff that they have access to that birth plan mm-hmm. and that we should be following the the wishes of of this family and so there're definitely times where in person you know we we as birth workers stand in as an advocate but more than that we want to make sure that pregnant people are advocating for themselves and mm-hmm. are the first point of advocacy, right? Because you are a, an autonomous being and I am not here to speak on your behalf unless if for some reason you are unable to do so. But so as long as you can speak, I'm always gonna encourage my clients to advocate on, on their own behalf because that's a self-empowering feeling yeah. and experience. And I'm sure it physically helps your birth to feel like I have the information I need. I know what's going on. I have some sort of control over this because I've worked with Shakira and I'm educated. Um, I'm sure it like literally can empower you as you're as you're giving birth. Absolutely. Yes. It's so interesting how many stories I hear when Mm. talking to people who are either pregnant or, you know, thinking about getting pregnant or like, I didn't know that. I didn't, I, no one ever told me that. And I'm like, 
you're six months pregnant. <laughs> Your OBGYN hasn't, you know, talked to you about this. And, Ooh, and, and, and it is very scary. It is scary to know that something as life altering as creating a human life and then pushing it out of your body that you would just be treated nonchalantly and if like, okay, yeah. you're going to have this baby and then you're going to, you're going to go home. And that's not the case. There's so much more in between that we need to make sure that people are educated on and know how to advocate for. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm grateful that we're in an age where um, postpartum is something that's even being discussed now. Because I feel like in the past, it just wasn't even a thing. It was just like, oh, the pregnancy is so tough. Then you have the baby. Then everything is friggin' fine. And like, you just right. go back to work and uh, strap on the ergo and act like nothing happened. And it's such a, it seems to be such a huge um, piece of uh, birthing person's birth journey um mm -hmm. what what percentage of birth plans do you would you say go according to plan like in your experience when somebody has a birth plan like what percentage of those actually go that way this is such an interesting question it depends on how we're defining according to plan because if we're <laughs> right, talking sure. like to the T, then I will say zero. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. But if, if we're defining to the plan that after the birthing experience, the birthing person and the baby are healthy, and that birthing person got the experience that they desired, mm -hmm. maybe every, you know, because a birth plan can be super detailed. Like, we're asking you all kinds of questions. Do you want an unmedicated birth? If you want a medicated birth, you know, do you want to use an epidural? Do you want laughing gas? Do you want pain medication, mm. right? There's so many options and those can shift in a moment. Like, yeah. you know, the most recent birth that I did, she wanted music and she wanted candles and we didn't do any of that. We didn't do music, <laughs> we didn't do candles, we didn't do any of that. We did get to, um, and then, you know, I, did you want... Do you want back massages? Do you want to labor in this position? And she, in, in the moment she decided, no, I don't want that. We labored yep. her in water. So it changed based on how she was feeling in the moment. But at the end, you know, when I did her postpartum check-in, I was like, how would you describe your birthing experience? She said it was the best that she would do it all over again and she wow. wouldn't change a thing. And so if we're measuring by that. I would say very few because most people don't create a birth plan. And right. of the people who do create a birth plan, then, you know, if they're coming out of it educated, if they're coming out of it knowing how to self-advocate, then I'd say there's a really good track record. I'm sorry, Kaylee, it's hard to give you a percentage. That's okay. <laughs> that is totally okay. It, I feel like you answered the question beautifully. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's also like the birth plan, like using that that person as an example with the music and the candles, it's like you you guys decided, you know, sort of the feeling that she, they wanted evoked during the birth. And exactly. then she decided, you know, oh, I don't want the music, but she still had that feeling, that that yeah. feeling of, of serenity or whatever it was. Yeah. So it was, it was worth it to make that plan. Um... What would you, if you, if you could 
decide here, what would you like to see more or maybe less of in the doula uh, industry? Oh, this is a great question. I would like to see more doulas uh-huh. <laughs> of every background, mm. black, white, indigenous. Like I, I want to just see a, a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-gendered, multi-everything mm. um, cohort of doulas around around the world and midwives as well and and for you know what would I like to see less of unfortunately and this was something that I was uh encouraged to Mm. be mindful of as going through my training as I was going through my training with the phenomenal training um institution but there is there can be a lot of divisiveness in the mm-hmm. birth work community, there can be a lot of, yeah, divisiveness and and you're doing this wrong. Your scope of practice is not right. And, you know, judging and stuff, very judgmental. Yeah. I really like to approach my my work with a, a open mind. Right. We're talking about something like breastfeeding, which can be a very polarizing topic in Mm -hmm. the birth work community among the parenting community. And my philosophy is this, uh, a fed baby is a happy baby. The reality is not everyone will be able to chest or breastfeed for a number of reasons. They can be socioeconomic, they can be physiological, right? And so Mm -hmm. when we come at this work from these very binary, very like truncated points of view, it can be really damaging and it can also undermine the work that other birth workers are doing, you know, and the trust that we all all hope to collectively be building in in our, I'm gonna say industry for lack of a better word, but in our industry. Yeah it's yeah it's funny the word industry like it is an industry right like (laughs) like it's a it's a business but it's also I feel like when I say industry referring to hospitals it feels icky but then like it's a beautiful industry when I think of it in the in the lens of of doula work um because it's really uh, I respect doulas so much um and just think it's kind of like an art form because you have to be a you have to be a pretty um, intuitive, sensitive person, don't you? I would say so. I yeah. definitely think that there is a large degree of of not only intuition but humility mm. is so important in this work to be able to say, I don't know the answer to that, but let me go do research and let me point you to the right resources. Yeah. That's a scary thing to admit to somebody who you're saying, I'm going to help you bring life into this world, right? Mm -hmm. There's also the cultural humility to be able to recognize that there are some aspects of family development and, and, and construction that you may not necessarily be in alignment with or agreement with, but if that's your client's family's point of view and desire, then you humbly be in service of that or you decide hey this is these are not the clients for me right so there's a a lot of humility that comes with this and there and you know to that it's like you're seeing life up close 
And mm. sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're witnessing people lose their their children up close. Mm. And so you really have to approach that work with a, a huge degree of humility. And just as you said, Kaylee, like, yes, the intuition. I can look at, you know, um, the pregnant people that I am working with and I can see when there's discomfort. I can hear when there's fear in their voice, you know, mm-hmm. even as we were in the laboring process, I could see when like, okay, you don't want this, right? Okay. This is what you need with that. It's that anticipating yeah. needs, you know? And so being able to do that, but also fortitude. I mean, right now birth work is, is getting, a lot of mainstream attention, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. But I think that people also think that like, yeah, you're having a baby. Like, that's the easy thing. You're just helping somebody like breathe and have their baby. It's <laughs> so taxing for mm-hmm. someone who's laboring for 30 hours <laughs> oh my God. and you're there for a good portion of that. Right. Yeah. And they're laboring, so it's all the more taxing well, for them, right? Yeah, and you have to be like hyper present. Exactly. It's not like exactly. you can. It's not like you're just sitting in the corner with a New York magazine. Like you have to, like you're there for the birthing person, whatever they need every single second. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you just so, have to have the fortitude and 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 the wisdom. And so this is not some like sleepy little side hustle, people. Oh hell no! <laughs> if you're in it, I mean, when I'm talking with uh, the other birth workers and my network, you know, it is a calling. It it yeah. I feel like you know I think being a parent is a calling. Yeah. You know, being a teacher is a call. Anytime you're ushering people into a new evolution of themselves or Mm. a new evolution of their generation like that is a calling that is some hard work (laughs) yes um speaking of polarizing topics like breastfeeding um (laughs) you recently addressed some i'll call them strong feelings from followers um after you put out a really informative video about getting the covid vaccine uh while Mm -hmm. pregnant um and if you'd like to i'd like to open the floor for you to just speak on that because i'm sure it's something a lot of people are wondering about right now and i'd like to know more myself absolutely yeah that incident so it might be helpful context Mm. i posted that video and i want to be clear that all the videos all the content i develop is based on evidence-based research and data from highly trusted sources right Mm -hmm. so i'm constantly spending time researching fact checking you know being really intentional about what i share how i share it and i always offer a disclaimer and i'm always reminding folks please talk to your trusted medical care provider. That could be your OBGYN, that could be your midwife, whatever that looks like for you. And Mm -hmm. so I did the video on, you know, what pregnant people need to know about taking the COVID-19 vaccines and, you know, what the options are. And right now there is data that is showing um, that 
pregnant people who get the vaccine are passing on antibodies to their newborns, which gives their newborns immunization for a period of time. Right Mm. now, it looks like six months could be longer, right? Mm. And so there are really positive signs pointing towards, you know, pregnant people being vaccinated. And then just by them being vaccinated, they are protecting, you know, their, their newborns. The other side of that is that pregnant people are at high risk of COVID-19 symptoms. And so getting mm. them vaccinated is a really top priority. Yeah. What didn't get discussed a lot, but there is a lot of data out that shows that COVID-19 increased the risk of miscarriages for pregnant people. And so oh, when wow. I share, yeah, when I shared wow. my, my video, which was strictly fact-based, and reminded people, make the decision that you feel is best mm-hmm. for you. Here are the facts. I had a ton of anti-vaxxers just spreading mm. lies. Like, spre- they were flat-out lies. The COVID-19 vaccine causes miscarriage. That is a lie. There is no data that is supporting that. Oh there is n- no yeah. data that is showing that COVID-19 cause miscarriages. But you know what does? You know what we do have data on causing miscarriages? COVID, COVID, right? COVID-19 and all of these things. And so I wanted to address that because I think that's where that divisiveness comes in, right? Mm. Much of birth work is rooted in indigenous practices. And when I say indigenous, I mean indigenous to whatever your cultural native land is that can be a you know a country on the continent of Africa it could be a country in Europe it could be the islands like where my family is from right mm. it could be right here in America whatever those indigenous practices are doula and birth work are rooted in indigenous practices and as we evolve we marry you know we marry the holistic with the science right mm. and so I think a lot of birth workers are rightly suspicious of science and, you know, medicine, right? And there's, there, I want to be clear, there are reasons why there is, there is precedent, especially in America for why people should be, you know, skeptical to a degree though. And so, but there's not data saying that the vaccine causes right. miscarriages exactly. there is data saying that co- yeah so you're just kind of going that's okay i understand we don't all want to get vaccinated but those are just not facts and these are just exactly. facts <laughs> exactly exactly and so we just have to be careful in making sure that we're not leading people it's already a very sensitive topic in time when you're mm-hmm. pregnant even more when you're pregnant in a pandemic and you're trying to make the right decisions for you and your baby. I mean, and then, (laughs) right. I mean, there's so many decision points when you're pregnant and you layer in a pandemic and then having to choose how to respond to this pandemic for you and your, your family. And, and then having people just flat out lie. I mean, I was enraged and that's not something I will allow on my platform. We we won't lie. (laughs) We won't. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for um, thank you for clearing that up and sharing all of that. I think that's really important um, to know and to put out there. Um, (laughs) People people will let you know when they uh, (laughs) feel some type of way. They will. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm I'm curious. What's 
your favorite part of birth? Oh, this is a great question. I would say that moment, too. And I'm going to cheat with one. Obviously, when the okay. baby comes out. Arrives, <laughs> yay. Here, and it's here and you see the, you know, the look on, you know, the parents or the, you know, the the birthing person's face when they see their baby for the first, like there's no, you can't put a price on that, right? Yeah. But the other moment is when it's called the transition. Like when you go from like you're in active labor and then there's the pushing phase. And now it's like this baby is coming. That baby has stationed at zero and is crowning, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you see the strength and the power and the might of the pregnant person. It is a power that is just unspeakable I think seeing that kind of strength of close is just so again like humbling like who am I that I should be able to witness this it's so vulnerable and powerful and then it also just reminds you that if you are somebody with a uterus that you have that type of power too Mm. you know Shakira, the people you work with are really lucky to have you there. I just want to, I just want to put that in real quick because, like, hearing the way you talk about it, they're just so lucky to have that energy right beside them. This really humble, um, generous energy. I just, they're really lucky. Um, Thank you, Kaylee. I. I love, I just, I, I'm already, I have to let you go soon, but I'm like, I can't wait to, I would love to have you back on because I just want to like talk about every moment of birth. I <laughs> like, I've heard people talk about that moment when, when the baby's crowning and it's like go time and they just like get into this, like almost like trippy zone yes, yes. and they just get into a zone and they're like on another yes. plane and like, yes. it just... I really it's do geek real. out about it. It seems so cool. You sound like you are ready to become a birth worker because oh. it is a very beautiful, like, yeah, geeky experience. I mean, you can see, you know, when they, we like to call it um, getting, you know, the birthing person out of their cerebral cortex into, Ooh. you know, you call it the other plane and that's such a beautiful framing of it, right? Like you are in your reptilian brain, like you are doing what nature has designed you to do. And so you can see that moment when somebody goes from cerebral to reptilian and it's like, okay, I I am a warrior and it's time to bring this baby into the world. I think it's so cool. It's so cool. I love it so much. Um, I thought I thought I was I thought of something and then I forgot. Um, It's fleeting. Um, Okay, I want to make sure I get in some messy questions. These are questions (laughs) that are just about you, your person, Shakira. um, Before I let you go, so. Shakira, what's your favorite part of your day these days? Oh, these days, my favorite part of the day is when I'm done with work, I've closed my laptop, and my husband and I, we sit down, 
every night and we watch Jeopardy together. And I know that's so nerdy and like old, but it is such a highlight in my day because we both just get really into it. And my husband is brilliant and it's just so fun, like learning how much knowledge we both have. And like, why do you know that? Like, why do you, why do you know? Yeah random fact right and so it's just a really beautiful way of building intimacy and you know competitiveness and nerdiness so yeah, yeah that, that's my favorite <laughs> that is so cute that is <laughs> so so sweet I love that um do you have okay I'm just gonna like elaborate on that because I just really like to get into the the picture painting um do you guys have like a like a go-to snack for Jeopardy? Is there like a setup? Like are we having we, a cup of tea? Like what's going on? So we're not that old yet. We haven't gotten to the tea during Jeopardy phase of our life. But we usually have, you know, we'll have our dinner or we'll have a, a snack. I'm kind of corny, so it depends on what night of the week it is. But if it's a Tuesday, I'm like, it's Taco Tuesday. Yes. Jeopardy, you know, or it's a Friday. We'll order something really fun. So, yeah, we get into it. We're, we're, we're a cheesy bunch, Ooh. but I like it. I like it, too. Um... What is your favorite outfit? What makes you feel really good these days? So fun fact about me is I love clothes. I love shoes. These days, my favorite outfit is probably a really nice, just high quality sweatshirt and some really great sweat pants. But if I'm going out, I'm trying to do a little better at getting back to dressing. Like I'm actually a person who goes outside. (laughs) Same. Right. I'll throw on a really fun, you know, pair of sneakers and a cute top and some cute jeans. And I'll always have lipstick. (gasps) I I love a lippy. I love a good lip color. How about you, Kaylee? Oh, did you just ask me back? My heart. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, hold on. First of all. I must have internalized that you're a bold lip person because today, rand- quite randomly, I put on a bold lip for this. Oh, what color? I'm wearing like a brick red, like just Ooh. like a fire truck red. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Are you wearing oh, a lip? I was wearing, let's see. So look, don't judge me, Kaylee, but I, Gucci <laughs> has an incredible line of lipsticks. And today- Why would I, have, I judge? Uh, I mean, it's gorgeous. What is the name of this color? Oh, it's Katrin Sand. And it's like an orange. Oh, it's so pretty and springy. Oh, I'll send you a picture. It's it's beautiful. Please You'll send me it. a picture. I oh, am. my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love a bold lip. And that's been one of the saddest things for me through, I mean, maybe not the saddest, but it's been a sad thing through um, COVID times and wearing masks is I can't, I can't do my easy bold lip outside oh yeah I know I know I know you got it and then it's like you're wearing your mask you have the lipstick then it's drying and, <laughs> but listen I love a lipstick so I'll do it anyway I'll yes it. <laughs> yes <laughs> screw it we can wash these masks right um oh okay I love that a high quality sweatshirt okay so mine you asked me. That's so yes. nice. Tell okay. Me. I want to know. What are you wearing these days? What are you loving to be in? <laughs> okay. Okay. I love very basic. I love a crisp white t-shirt 
Some high waist mom jeans. Come on. Some funky socks. Yes. I love funky socks. And and I guess that's it. And I'll do I, I also really love a sweatshirt. Um mm-hmm. I love sweaters. I really like um cozy textures. Um mm. but yeah, I'm just keeping it like very very basic. <laughs> what's your what's your bold lip? Oh, the white with the bold lip, the white crisp white tee and the high waist mom. Oh, perfection. Thank you. I Thank love you. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with you. Um, <laughs> I I thank you. I just I basically just want to be French. That's all. Like my, I, listen, I too would like to be French. <laughs> <laughs> I speak like this much French, but I would like to be French. Um, in my appearance, I did. I went to Paris before the world ended, and mm. an elderly woman mistook me <gasps> for a French person. And okay. Now, I you died. know that's a compliment. You know that's a compliment. I felt complimented. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Okay, I have one final question, and I do want, I really want to get this in. What is your wild, imaginary, fantasy, dream life, Shakira? What does it look oh. like? Mm-hmm. My wild, fantasy the imaginary dream life i hope i'm gonna call this my big audacious dream if that's okay i love that so much go ahead my big okay, audacious I dream to, yeah because i want to i want to move in this direction but you yeah. know i really really want to open with one of my good friends we are um hoping to open this as a suite of wellness retreats and spas <sighs> around the country and as part of that, I'd like to do birthing centers to some degree. Maybe it's like, you know, a postpartum wow. experience where you come and you are engaged through your postpartum first maybe six months or something. Um, I really want to build a house in Jamaica with my husband. I would really love us to retire there. I also want a house in Paris <laughs> or, a, you know, yes, flat. a flat, a flat. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I need a flat in Paris and I just want to travel the world and read and write really awesome books and eat really good food and yeah, just be with people and be in community and learn and 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 love and it's mm. a simple dream some aspects of it, but it to me feels really audacious because everything in this world is trying to tell us to settle. So that's yeah. that's mine. Mm -hmm. oh I love it I mean I think you're right I think that it's like an audacious wild fun dream but it also is it's simple in that like I could see it you could you could do those things um it's it's attainable it's I mean yeah you're so right like the world limits us it limits exactly. us and it limits us depending on who we are and how we fit into its systems. Like, it does limit us. But we can't even begin to think about living these big audacious lives if we don't give ourselves time and space to dream about them. Absolutely. Which is why I like asking. And I love your answer so much. I mean, 
It reminds me of um, my last guest, Shana. She was like, I want two homes, one in the Mediterranean, one somewhere <laughs> tropical. And you, ca- you kind of came in with the same thing, a house in Jamaica and a Paris flat. I, yes. Yeah. I love that for you. Shakira, I want you to go ahead and plug whatever you have going on. Where can the people find you? Yeah. Well, Kaylee, first, I want to just say thank you for holding space for this conversation, for your beauty, your energy. You are a storyteller Mm -hmm. and the world needs storytellers. So thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. I also want to just give honor to the ancestors, to the women who came before me, who have Mm -hmm. done this work. If it weren't for them, I literally would not be here Mm -hmm. um, and and metaphorically would not be in this place in my life. And I just want to shout out all the the black birth workers in the country right now. I'm in D.C., so shout out to all the DMV birth workers. Thank Mm. you for welcoming me me into this community i just it w- i would be remiss not to acknowledge the people who've come before me of course um, and then where people can find me you can find me at the dope t-h-e-d-o-p-e doula d-o-u-l-a on instagram follow me i'll follow you back and Ooh. happy to chat and answer questions for anybody who has them Wow. Oh, we're so lucky you're here doing this work (laughs) and you're doing it so wonderfully. We all benefit from following you and learning from you. Shakira, thank you so, so much. This has been just such a pleasure and an honor to get to chat with you. And I would love to have you back on sometime. I would love that. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you. Okay, my messy friends, thank you for (laughs) tuning in. And uh, talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.